What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Hungry Few podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest on, Melissa Nelson, who is a business owner, but not just one business owner. She actually owns three different businesses, South Bend Industrial Hemp, Rhythm Revolution Spin, and Performance Crop Research Company. So uh, we'll definitely dive into all of those, but super excited to have you today, Melissa. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for asking me. I'm excited to be here. Right on. So let's just uh, get straight into it. Let's kind of explain. We'll start with the the hemp company. There's a lot to explore here, but how did you get involved with uh, the industrial hemp? So this is my newest baby. We started growing hemp in 2019. My husband came to me with his brother. They are fourth generation farmers here in Kansas. And then my background as a research scientist, we thought that married really well. So we created a company with the three of us and we started growing for CBD but our passion was in grain and fiber because we really felt that's where Kansas could thrive in terms of scalability, labor, equipment. Like this is what Kansas was could do successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so or we have CBD and we have our own CBD line, Hemp from the Heartland. You can actually see the plants from start to finish and follow us on our journey and, and see how your products are made because everything's done here on the farm. But our our passion is fiber and grain. So this year we scaled up for fiber and grain and we were having a problem with the next step in the process. So we would grow it and we needed someone to process it so it could get to a manufacturer. Well, our processors kept falling apart. You know, they lost funding or they didn't evolve like they should, or they couldn't take our product. So we started crunching the numbers and we were like, let's just do it ourselves because no farmer is going to put crops in the ground if they don't have a place to take it. And no manufacturer is going to come in if farmers aren't going to put it in the ground. So, cause they won't have a supply. Mm-hmm. So we said we can be both of those things. So we started a processing facility and that will open March 1st. So that's currently what we're ramping up to do. Um, but our big vision there is we want to help other farmers be successful. Like, yes, we could grow and convert every acre we have to hemp and supply ourselves, but that's not what we want to do. We want to help the farmer down the road be successful and the next one be successful and the next one be successful and get in the industry, at, you know, a, a risk they're willing to take, whether that be five acres or 50 acres or 500 acres uh, and know that they have a reputable place to take it. So that's. That's kind of South Bend Industrial Hemp in a nutshell. We literally do everything from A to Z for CBD. And then we're working on A to Y because we're not quite that final manufacturer for the fiber and grain side. Awesome. So there's a couple of things that I kind of want to dive in deeper there with. We'll go with like CBD first. Um, you mentioned that with your CBD, it's like trackable exactly where it comes from. And I've seen that definitely within that industry where there's products that are selling for really cheap and probably not if any CBD in it is not a very good product, you know, and then there's ones that are super expensive, $300 for a bottle. And it's like, we still don't know if, if it's good or not. So is that something that, is that why you, you mentioned kind of like, Oh yeah, we make sure it comes exactly from. I love public speaking. I love educating our Facebook page, South End Industrial Hemp. I'm super active on because I love taking people through the journey and I did it. I started it as just documenting it for us. Mm-hmm. And then we started getting quite the following. And, you know, people were saying, we love what you're educating about. What brands do you suggest? 
And so then I started looking into brands and reading COAs and things like that. And I was like, I don't have a great suggestion for you. And then a study came out by Penn State and they actually took 18 different CBD brands from 18 different locations, everything from CBD gas station to high end. And only six of those came back at the strength they said that they had and the THC that they said that they were supposed to. And wow. I just found that unacceptable because yeah. there is no rules and regulations currently in the hemp industry. So I just said, I can do this. So I taught myself, did a lot of playing. My husband took a lot of CBD because I was like, how's this one? How's this one? And I'm like, yeah. he goes, I feel great. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. So we just created our product line. And now when people came to me and they're like, what's a product you trust? And I'm like, this one. Because yeah. I made it and I know exactly what's in it. So mm. that's kind of how that evolved. I love that. So essentially you saw within that industry, there was so much like dishonesty and not not really good products at all within the industry. So you're like, well, it kind of leaves an opening for me in a way. It's kind of a blue ocean within that industry where as long as we're an honest company and we're a good product, we have an advantage almost. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't have anything insanely special. You know, we just are transparent yeah and that's the biggest thing you know and there's other companies that i've connected with that if i can't meet a client's need i will be like hey go here uh but for basic needs you know we can we can meet that for our customers mm -hmm. well it's funny you say that you said it's it's nothing special it's just transparency but i feel like within the business world transparency is something special you know and a quote that i really yeah. like is in a time of universal deceit telling the truth is a revolutionary act and so, I mean, even doing something as simple that like is if me and you just think it's a simple thing, just be transparent, be a good person, have good customer service, but it's actually something that actually puts you above and beyond, which is funny. Yeah. So many people have said that and it, mm -hmm. it, it blows me away because I'm like, I feel like that's just <laughs> really? being a good human. Like you're supposed <laughs> <Yeah>. to do that. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's awesome. And then, um, so you talked about, you do the CBD side of it and then you also do uh, fiber and grain. What is what does that go towards fiber and grain? So hemp is such an amazing plant. It can actually replace any paper, plastic, wood products can be made from the hemp plant. And so hempcrete, insulation, you know, notebook paper, bioplastics is a huge industry that we're currently pursuing um, and have manufacturers here that we're trying to supply and are supplying for their their hemp line. You know, if you think about how much plastic goes in landfills and things like that, if you if the hemp market could just take 10% of that and have a more biodegradable product, just think of how much better the world could be. So mm. it can help farmers because at the end of the day, we are farmers and we are for farmers, but we can help the environment and we can help the consumer as well. So, yeah, I love that. And I mean, you see how much pollution is in the actual ocean with the, the great Pacific garbage patch. And it's like, that cannot be good for our planet. You know, what can we do to, to make a change there? And if we don't make a change, it's just going to get worse and worse. And so it's awesome to see that you're kind of on the, the front lines of that uh, as well. Like, how can I actually better the planet? Not only am I helping farmers, not only am I building a business, but I'm also helping the environment, which is awesome because you're on the front lines of all these different places that I feel like you have a passion for, which is really cool. Yes, mm -hmm. I agree. Cool. So that's the, uh, the hemp industry. Then you, you started with the performance crop research. Was that your first yeah. company? So yeah. let's dive into that a little bit. Okay. So in 2013, I graduated from Fort Hayes with my biology degree and I got kind of 
I fell into crop research. So what I do is I help bring products and develop that label, which they will eventually go to the EPA. Or I help with new genetic crops that we're trying new genes and genetic traits. And we take that to the field and I do the field testing for them. I also do residue testing. So safety for like when you, a, a farmer or whatever would apply this chemical, when you would typically harvest. And then we take it to the lab and determine the residue levels. So that way, by the time it gets to the consumer, it's safe. Those are basically the three main areas of my research company. So I worked at another research facility for a few years. I actually went overseas to Australia and I worked there for about seven months and I got to see you know, just a whole slew of crops that I don't get to see here in Kansas. And then I came back here, finished my master's degree and then launched my own company in 2018. So that's, I have my research company as well. Awesome. And so you just got straight into crop research out of college, correct? Yeah, I actually um, was walking through the career fair and I grew up with an ag background, but mine's more livestock based, was very active with horses and cattle. And what I knew most about corn was about feed rations, you know, how to mm. make them gain weight. So when I was at this career fair, this research facility snagged me and I said, I don't really know a lot about row crops. And they said, that's fine. We can teach you. We want your science background mm. and absolutely fell in love with it. I, yeah. It was a challenge. Every trial is different. Every day is different. You know, your season evolves as the plant evolves. And so really to get a grasp, it takes years because once planting is over, you don't see it again for another 365 days. Oh, wow. So it, it's very much learning and then progressive learning throughout the years. Mm. So what's your favorite part about being in that industry? So the the biggest passion that I have for this industry is that it makes a difference. Mm. So the data that I'm collecting for these companies that will eventually take this product to the EPA and try to get commercial approval. My biggest sense of pride was when my husband brought home chemical from the co-op that I had done research on. And I'm like, I know that's a great product, or I know that can beat the commercial standard that was out at that time because I did the research on it. So that's very cool to see products come to fruition. It's also very important to me to provide accurate data because I don't want a product to make it to market that isn't superior to what's currently out there mm. because I don't want my friends or family to waste their money and watch the bottom line on their business not be profitable because they bought a insufficient product. So I really, I really love that I can see the whole picture for what I do. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So I'm also curious with that industry. I, I'm, I don't really know anything about that industry is well, with COVID has COVID affected any of the industries that you're in? I'm sure the spin probably actually, but yeah, the spin, um, that was, that was great. Uh, as a business owner, it really caused me to level up, but ag, ag doesn't stop. We mm. don't stop feeding the world. We don't stop feeding the people. And I kind of, laughed or you know my husband and I laughed because when quarantines and all that started our lives mm. didn't change like yeah. we were in the tractor by ourselves anyway so it was like I'm yeah. isolated this isn't a problem that's funny nothing really changed for us yeah I mean I'm from a small town too so very little things change if anything it's just eat outside of the restaurants pretty much you know yeah. <laughs> exactly. so that's funny so no really challenges with COVID 
is with agri- agriculture stuff. Were there any other challenges within that industry that you had to overcome? Not related to COVID? Mother nature. She's a challenge mm. every year. You know, we have hundred mile an hour wind. Oh, wow. Later crop down. You know, we have hailstorms, rainstorms. You just, that's when your faith in something bigger than yourself comes into play mm. because you will put you a year's worth of work to watch it be destroyed in one storm, oh, you know, and yeah. especially wheat because wheat you plant in September or October and then you're harvesting mid June. So you watch this crop develop for months and then be hailed out in one storm. And that's, that's a hard Brutal. thing to yeah, I mean, because you're just watching your, there's nothing you can do. It's yeah. the most helpless feeling because you just watch out the window and you're like, I hope it's okay. Or I hope it missed that field. So Mother Nature always provides a challenge, you know, equipment and technology. You're constantly evolving with that. But that's that's kind of expected challenges. But I would say Mother Nature is, is the largest hurdle. Mm. And is there any way to, to get around that? I mean, if you know when's coming, can, I mean, is there anything you could do or literally sit there and pray, you know? Yeah, because think about it. Like we grow on scale. So we're not like a greenhouse or a small area that you could like tent or anything like that. We're thousands of acres. So a football field is the approximate size of an acre. So just put that as far as you can see and that's what you got. So, you know, yeah. you just hope that the storm line misses maybe your field or minimal damage you mitigate risk you have insurance and things like that but i don't want to collect an insurance check i want to do the work i want to have a successful crop like i want to harvest that crop so hmm. moving back over to the back to covid and with your spin company your spin studio studio yeah. you call spin studio did were you shut down at all with corona there yeah so we're a small spin studio um the town just kind of it kind of just fell into my lap. I'm very much into fitness. Um, I enjoy it. And it started in our small town. And the lady that started it then decided she didn't want to do it anymore. And the community really rallied around and was like, please take this over. And I said, well, I can't do this by myself. Like, because at the end of the day, this isn't my main job, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I got some women to step up and they, I have four instructors that teach underneath me. And they really help in the evening classes, you know, because I don't really know when my day is going to end. So I need someone to take care of those evening classes. So Mm -hmm. in terms of COVID, it really caused me to evaluate what I was doing. And I had kind of had in the background, the thoughts of launching an online subscription service. So think Peloton. I mean, that Mm -hmm. would be the most similar, but I just never really had that kick to do it because we were, we had in-studio classes, we were busy And so when COVID first started, we did everything via Zoom to begin with. And then once I got my subscription service launched, we now have a portal. You log in. I've got over 100 rides already recorded. People can click on what they want and then ride to their heart's content. So it's awesome. COVID COVID really caused me to, to get that done and level up my business and really find a different way to connect with my riders because I wasn't getting that face to face interaction. No, that's, that's really cool how you saw, I mean, you you can't have in person anymore, right? Right. Well, we can, we're, can't. we're back open fully. We were about eight weeks shut down. 
Okay, gotcha. It's cool to see that you developed a way though during that time, not just not just saying, oh, okay, I guess we're shut down. There's nothing we could do, but oh, well, what can we do to make sure that we're still there for our clients and oh, to develop great. Like, membership? I rented out all my bikes, you know, because I'm like, why would these sit in the studio where mm-hmm. no one can use them? So I just had a sign up list and, you know, longevity. So my the, the longest riders that have been with me, they got first pick of the bikes and they took them home and they rode until we needed them back. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, you're bouncing a lot of different things here. I mean, you're a fitness enthusiast, you know, with all these different things. How do you find a way to balance it all? What does a day in the life look like for you? I think that's why I can maintain the schedule is because I get to follow so many passions that I love. And they really complement each other quite nicely. You know, because I'm on point with my nutrition, because I'm on point with my workouts, it feeds a positive mental health. Like I start every day on a positive note because I'm getting up, smashing out the gym and moving on to my next task. Hmm. Timing wise, like right now I'm getting up at 530 and going to the gym. When we it starts getting hot and we're working in the fields long hours, it's 330 or four. So making that a non-negotiable makes the rest of my day flow so much smoother. And a day in a life, you know, get up, work out, smash that out, record a spin class if I need to. And I have that all wrapped up. And so I don't, I'm not pressured to get that done throughout the day. And I can focus on my other businesses. It depends on the season. Sometimes I'm in the tractor. Sometimes I'm walking fields. Sometimes I'm in the combine. Sometimes I'm in the office working on contracts and finding different manufacturers and processors for us. So I can't really give you a true day because it's so fluid all the time. I was really blessed when God made me um, efficiency. I'm very good at it. I'm just naturally very good at it. When I look at the dishwasher, I have the most efficient way to unload the dishwasher. And sometimes Mm. it's a curse. Sometimes it's a blessing because, you know, I look at my stepdaughter or something and I'm like, why are you unloading it that way? Like it's so much slower, but it's not my, you know, like you, it's just, my brain just works that way. Yeah. But it makes me very successful because I can, I can multitask and do a lot of different things. Love that. So have another cool question for you. And that's, I mean, going back to you kind of balancing all this stuff out, you've obviously developed a habit of being extremely disciplined for doing all these things. And you can figure out a way to, kind of optimize each process to get it done the fastest, like with the dishwasher. What is one habit that you've developed that have, that has really helped you level up in any area of your life? Write it down. Mm. Like I have a notebook that goes with me everywhere. And when I go to sleep, it sits next to my bed. Cause you would believe, you know, this, when you're falling asleep, the thoughts that come to your brain, and if you don't write it down, or at least for me, if I don't write it down, it's lost because I have a thousand thoughts that run through my head a day. And so I just have my list and I break it into three different parts, A, a B, and a C. And A, it needs to get done now. B, it needs to get done in the next day or two. C, it needs to get done within the week. And then I have B, which is a, I'd like to get this done within the month, but it's not really critical. So that's just kind of how I layer out my day and I just check it off the list. It's awesome. And I love how you even went back to the, like, write it down. But 
I'm not just writing it down. I'm extremely organized with the way I'm writing it down too. And like, I have systems built into every single area in my life. I feel like that's the common theme here, which is awesome. It's over, like, not everybody can operate like I do. And I know that, um, mm-hmm. it's just, I find that it works very well for me. And yeah. I've always been this way. I just didn't realize that it would be so helpful later in mm-hmm. life. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like it's definitely got you to where you're at and where you're able to balance all these things because you literally have a process and a system built out for everything where if you tried to do it without processes or systems, it would probably just be chaos or if anybody tried to. Exactly. And I think it developed, you know, I had it at a young age, um, growing up in 4-H and FFA and having responsibilities on our farm and with my sister and, you know, just helping my parents expected a lot from us. And so maintaining that. And then I had high goals. I wanted to go to college. I wanted to play college basketball. I wanted to get it paid for Walk out with zero debt. I knew that in seventh grade. Um, so I was like, how do I make that happen? What steps do I need to do to make that? And so I've just, I've always operated like this. It's mm. awesome. So it's something you developed from a young age too. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was due to like parenting or do you think that was within you or like who, who, was in your environment that helped you kind of develop that? Or do you think you were just born with it? No, I very much developed. So I have two sisters, an older and a younger. My older sister is handicapped mentally and physically. She needs 100% care um, mm-hmm. to, from either myself or my sister or my parents. And growing up, my parents were very busy working. And if they weren't working or if they were working, I was helping with my sister. And my sister runs on schedules. She needs her medicine. She eats at certain times. Like she has a very rigid schedule. And I didn't realize people didn't operate that way because she was older than me. So that's like what I've always grown up in until really I went to college. And I was like, wow, this is like willy nilly. You guys are just, we're going on a road trip and there's no planned stops or anything. You're just going for it. And, you know, my sister has bathroom breaks. Like, Everything is very structured for her to be able to handle her environment. And mm-hmm. it just kind of carried over into me. And and that's just kind of how it happened. Gotcha. And so, yeah, that's, that, I feel like that's definitely something that really helped you develop that, just being on that strict discipline plan of, oh, I have to do this all the time, no matter what. And you were able to really carry that over into business. So it was really... I mean, I, I don't know if at the at a young age like that, it kind of seemed like a pain to stick on a schedule like that, but I feel like it's really developed to like a blessing in disguise, you know? I wouldn't, like you used the word have to. Yeah. You know, I didn't know any better, mm, you know? Gotcha. I, it was just my life. And if that's how your sister is calm and is happy, then you don't really see it as a hack to, you just see it as Mm. a, this is the way it is. Gotcha. Um, You know, and she's my biggest basketball supporter. She was my younger Mm. sister's biggest softball supporter. You know, she, she's not invalid in that sense. Like she's very engaged. She just Mm. doesn't know sign language and she can't speak. So we have our own form of communication and language that we, we use at our house. So that way she can get her needs met. So yeah, it was never a have to. It was just a, this is how we did it is for us. 
Mm, gotcha. Got a couple other questions for you. So that was a, a habit that you wrote is writing it down. Number one habit you developed. Then what is one of the best investments you've made? It doesn't have to be money, but it could be time, money, um, energy. Just what's one of the best investments that you've made that you've seen ROI on? I'd have to say three and best. One, the most recent is King's Council that that I'm in. You know, I've got mentors, I've got financial advisors, I've got physical fitness coaches. Like I have coaches in the five areas in King's Council that is really kind of fully encompassed, but I've never had someone and a mentor that took all five of those pillars and and, and joined them together. And understood that you needed each pillar in order to be successful. And so, you know, I didn't realize how impactful that would be until I was kind of wishy-washy about doing 2021 King's Council. And I kind of stepped away with, from it for a few weeks. And I was like, wow, I really missed that connection. And I missed that challenge to continuing to level myself up. So I would say that. I would say bodybuilding and competing is another great investment because it is mentally taxing. Like, yes, you're pushing your body to a limit, but your body just does what the mind says. Your body follows. So you have to be mentally tough to make that happen. At the end of the day, your mind controls everything. And then the third thing is really starting my own businesses. When I was littler, I never dreamed of being an entrepreneur. I just assumed I would climb the corporate ladder because I'm very driven and career focused, but I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. And I just, I got into that corporate settings and I'm like, wow, like maybe I could do this more efficiently, or maybe I could have more free time to pursue other passions that I love. And at the time, my husband, really gave me the boot, you know, and was like, listen, you can do this. You can do this. And once I did, I never looked back and it's, it's been the best decision for me. Yeah. So those three investments and really at the end of the day is investing in myself because then Mm -hmm. I can turn around and invest in other people and invest in other areas that help other people because I invested in myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. It seems like all three of those kind of were investing in yourself when it comes to bodybuilding, investing in your health comes to investing in King's Council that that's investing in yourself as far as coaching, you know, getting coaching in all areas of life. Yeah. That's kind of the, the overlying theme of all three is just invest in yourself, you know, not in other things necessarily. If you just invest in yourself then it's going to pay off more so than pretty much anything well, else. It's allowed me to give back, you know, like, yeah. It's so wild. I found this random story, but this kid at the gym was 22 and he came up and he's like, Hey, can you teach me, like teach me how to count macros and things like that. And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, um, a lot of people approach me about that, but very few stick it out. So then we started talking about other things and I was like, well, do you have a budget? And he said, well, I've never made a budget. And I said, well, bring your computer out. Let's, let's learn how to do a budget. It just it snowballs. Yeah. And I found that the the different avenues that I'm in has allowed me to bring other people in, you know, to King's Council, the CEO of your life, to, just to help other people level themselves up. And I don't even realize I'm doing it. I'm just being me. Yeah. That. I bet that's pretty rewarding, too, for other people to come up to you and say, 
Hey, I see where you're at. Can you help me get to where I want to be? Because you obviously have had success in this area. My goal is just to always be the person that I wish I would have had. You know, at 22, mm-hmm. I was, you know, I partied and I had just finished college and I, yeah, I'm very career driven and I loved, I still was active in fitness. I was running half marathons and all this stuff, but I really didn't have like a focus, you know, like mm-hmm. I went to church, but I wasn't really like invested in church. I just was going through the motions. And so I just always try to be that person that, that brings a happy vibe and, and can make someone stay better. Mm, I love that. Love that. Definitely need more people like you in uh, today's world, you know, <laughs> helping other Thanks. people. So, oh, I have another question, actually. If this podcast were to reach millions of people, got millions of views, what is the one message that you'd want to share to the, like the majority of the audience? What is the one thing that is your vision? I kind of have two quotes on my computer and it really, cause I've kind of talked about vision in different areas that I have, but like these quotes really, I look at them every day. I look at them a hundred times a day. And the first one is opportunities of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of that opportunity. You know, you are not mm-hmm. promised tomorrow. You are not promised two hours from now. So if you have an opportunity that sparks that fire within you, pursue it, follow it, track it down. You know, it may change and you may pivot, but if an opportunity of a lifetime comes up, seize it because you're not promised that it will be there tomorrow. And then the second thing is you don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. Mm. So if you want positivity, if you want kindness, if you want those things, give it out and it will come back tenfold. I I just, I see it done. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. So true. I love that. Yeah. So, well, awesome. Um, where can the audience find you if they want to get more of you? So I'm on Instagram at mlnelson13 or South Bend Hemp. I really focus all my ag stuff through South Bend Hemp. And then my personal kind of fitness journeys, like fitness and farming for mlnelson13. Or you can find me on Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty low key. I'm also on LinkedIn, Melissa Nelson. Just Google me. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put all that in the show notes too, so they can find you there. But uh, thank you so much for being here, Melissa. It was an awesome conversation. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.